The Bible says what? The Bible says what? The Bible says what? What does this Bible say? What? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says what? You are listening to The Bible Says What. We are what? back in action. What? 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 Here we are, post-Thanksgiving. We are here. That's right. We are back at it with a little bit different uh, stuff going on for the Bible Says What podcast. Before we get to all of that, first want to introduce ourselves. If you're new with us, I am Pastor John uh, from uh, Centerville, Ohio. Yeah, and I'm Pastor Paul from Columbus, Indiana. We are two pastors with a heart uh, to dive into weird things of the Bible and try to process good answers from them. <laughs> we try. Like that. It's like, yeah, we, try. We, we try, we attempt, uh, but really to pastors, we, we each have a heart um, to really engage the questions of the Bible because we think it leads us to deeper places of connection with God, uh, not away from that, but towards God. Um, so yeah, just that's kind of the heart of why we do the podcast uh, with all of you. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much for sticking with us and listening and uh, engaging in the conversations with you. We love hearing from you. You can email uh, either Pastor Paul or myself. You can find that out on the podcast uh, links. You can email us. We'd love to have your questions in the new year. We were just talking about how we're going to be getting back to some questions of the Bible. Uh, so we would love to, to engage with some questions that you might have uh, from the scriptures or the Bible or things that you've grown up with or things you always wondered about but were too afraid to ask anyone for fear of being thrown out of the church. <laughs> we would love to engage with you. Yeah, questions. send us your questions. We want we want to talk about Bible stuff. So we're, we're two Bible geeks and uh, we love talking about it. So send yeah. us your questions. And subscribe. We would love for you to jump on the bandwagon of the old Bible says what and be a regular listen to her and if you uh, to us and if you click that little subscribe button, you're going to get notified every time we post new content. Uh, we try to do that weekly here at the Bible says what to give you new stuff to listen to, new stuff to tingle your ears with. Um, but we're kind of in a thing here right now. We talked about genres of the Bible, and then we are taking just about two or three weeks here in the Advent season to to help give practical tools to walk through scriptures, specifically the lectionary. We talked about that in past episodes. You can go back and check that out. But there, the lectionary gives us scriptures that are oriented around the seasons of the Christian calendar. Right now we're in Advent, expectantly waiting for the arrival of the Christ child, and our hope is looking forward, and we're living in this already not yet kind of world. Um, and so we're going to be journeying through the four scriptures of the lectionary, uh, the gospel, an epistle, a psalm, and an Old Testament, which I, I don't know, is there a psalm today? One of these weeks there wasn't a psalm, it was no, two weeks. It's yeah, interesting. It, and that's this week too. There, There's a song, it's Zachariah's song, is the psalm this week. So it's a yeah. New Testament psalm, which is kind yeah. of cool. Something so different. we're gonna we're gonna read those, walk through them, see where we see Jesus, scratch our heads with questions, all that kind of good stuff, in hopes of providing you, the listener, with some helpful tools to navigate Scripture, and more specifically, when you find hard things, to be able to have tools in your tool belt to navigate and find your way towards some sort of truth that might encourage you in your walk with Jesus. So that's, that's the right. spiel. Yeah, and here we are. Are you ready to start? I'm ready. If you're ready, are you okay. ready? I will read the gospel passage, Luke chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Actually, I shouldn't have volunteered because there's some funky names in here that I do not know how to pronounce. So <laughs> we will roll you volunteered. Hey, yeah. everybody, let's listen to Pastor Paul try to pronounce these words together. 
So, you know, when I was in youth ministry, the, the popular technique was to substitute difficult names for a common name using the first letter of the name. So instead of uh, Lysianus, we'll call uh, Larry. Timmy. You know, so, yeah, Larry. So, yeah. Larry. Yeah, so, real ordinary names, too. That's great. Yeah, there we go. So in the 15th uh, year of the rule of Empress Tiberius, Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea and Herod was ruler over Galilee, his brother Philip was ruler over Inertia, Tertia, Tertia, I don't know, something like that, and Traconius. Okay. And uh, Lysanias was ruler over Abilene. There we go. Uh, You could mumble. Yeah, you couldn't do any better on this one. (laughs) During the high priestess Annas and Caiaphas, uh, God's word came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. John went throughout the region of the Jordan River, calling for people to be baptized to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. This is just as it was written in the scroll of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled and every mountain and hill will be leveled. The crooked will be made straight and the rough places made smooth. All humanity will see God's salvation. Well done. Well, I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) But anyway, there it is. Luke chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, the gospel passage for this second Sunday of Advent. And we start off with some like weird list of rulers, you know, it's kind of strange. Um, I don't don't know about you, Paul, but what, you know, in the past when I've read things like this, I tend to, uh, skip over stuff that I just seems like, like, um, uh, genealogies and stuff. You read long list of names and then God, let's just get past this and get on to the good stuff. But I've, I've learned later in life that when I, when I, interact with weird things of the scripture, maybe instead of skipping over, I should lean in a little bit. And I think this is a really prime example of leaning in to what's the point of why this begins with notice seven rulers, which is an interesting um, thing. There's lots of times when seven appears in scripture, it's a divine number. It means something, but you have these really the seven leaders of the world, these from from the emperor of Tiberius all the way down to the the rulers of the church of Jerusalem, right, of the Israelite people, these priests. If you had to guess who the word of God would come to, what would your guess be? One of the seven or some dude in the wilderness? (laughs) Yeah, and that's what's interesting about this passage is uh, Luke is being very intentional to talk about power here. Yeah. Um, who is the ruler or Lord um, who has the, who is sitting on the throne. And and so you have Tiberius, the most powerful person in the world, followed by his henchmen or people that are supporting his uh, authority. And God's word doesn't come to any of the seven. Not one. So that's quite a statement. That, that is quite a statement. The word comes to John. And John is not in the city center. He's not in Rome. He's not in the temple. He's not in any place that powerful people reside. Where is John? 
Where are you, John? I, well, I'm in Centerville. This John, though, <laughs> was in the wilderness, which is such an important thing, I think, for us to hone in on to, because wilderness is a powerful metaphor within the scriptures. And wilderness is often the place where God goes or resides or invites us to for special divine moments of connection with God. And I, I think it's pretty interesting that John, uh, son of Zechariah, who has his own unique and crazy story finds himself later in life in the wilderness where he uh, has the word of God come to him. Uh, pretty significant. We can talk probably a little bit about wilderness and why that why that's significant, but it's all over the scriptures, all over the Old Testament um, where God navigates and with his people and tries to teach his people to have a uh, relationship with him and just him and rely just on him. It's Jesus is led into the wilderness to have this temptation, big, gigantic title bout with with Satan and evil. Um, the wilderness is an interesting place, uh, but is often where God uh, comes and speaks in profound ways as well. Absolutely. And there is um, uh, kind of a pattern here, uh, the word of the Lord coming to an individual uh, is a pattern of the, the prophet in the Old Testament. And so uh, since the word of the Lord is coming to John, uh, it is a statement that John is a part of the line of prophets. He is a connection to Isaiah and Amos and the other prophets of the Old Testament. That is who John is. He's a prophet. And he's yeah, and crying prophet, out. Of, go ahead. They point the way, right? That's yeah. what prophets' jobs are. And they, they speak hard truth and they point the way towards hope and um, which is what John does, right? Proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, um, as other prophets have given the same word, uh, this one specifically uh, quoting from the prophet Isaiah, uh, connecting to John and the one crying out in the wilderness. Yeah, and so the, this passage uh, that is quoting, and really all of it is about preparation for the coming king, the coming Messiah, Get everything ready. Be baptized. Be cleansed. Be forgiven. Uh, change your ways. Change your mind. Change your heart. Let's get the roads ready. Let's fill in all the potholes. Let's let's do all the hard work to get things ready for the coming King. Which, what would have not been surprising to the original hearers, who are used to having visitation of kings, emperors, governors, those kind of things, and all the work that would be necessary to prepare for arriving uh, dignitary. Uh, just like we are well aware of all the hard work that it takes to get the house ready for Thanksgiving and Christmas and all the things we have to do to prepare, uh, there's a preparation being um, called for here. Yeah, I, th I also think it's kind of interesting, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, Pastor Paul. I know you always will lead me towards truth. Um, but it's interesting to me that you have this in, in verse 4, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, and this is what the voice cries out, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, period. That's kind of a stop of a thought. And then we have this verse 5 that I think it connects to the reality of what we read at the beginning of this passage. Because we we see this reality, and you were saying about this reversal of power. And I think there's some really beautiful symbolism here where every valley shall be filled, right? So the, the low places in the world shall be brought up, 
right? And every mountain, every high place shall be made low, and everything that's crooked shall be made straight, and everything that's rough shall be smoothed out. And I think it's really interesting that all of those uh, kind of pictorial language in here, the, the metaphors are giving, I think they're giving us a picture of what this coming uh, word of salvation will do in the world and in us. And it, and it is a reversal of everything we expect to be. We expect mountains to be high, right? Where the people of power stay where they are. We expect the people who are in low places in the valleys to stay where they are. But this new king is going to do something completely unexpected, and he's going to reverse all the things that we think in the world are right and true, and he's going to show us a new way. And I think it carries out the theme of, you know, the all these rulers that are kind of described in the first part of this passage are, are the people that people in the world look to for all the things they need in life, right? Provision, protection, they look to them for direction and guidance and truth from the leader in Rome to the leader in, in the church of Jerusalem for Israel. All of the, These are all the people you would expect to, to show you the way towards the best life. And yet there's someone new being announced that's coming that is going to show us a completely opposite way from what these other rulers have given. And I think that's an important theme as we move through this second passage is, number one, we have hope that something new is happening. Number two, we have to ask ourselves, where are we getting our picture of our best life from? Are we placing our hope in these stand-in saviors, or are we looking towards the new savior who's coming to show us a new and better way of life? Yeah, love it. I think that's spot on, uh, dude. Uh, hey. I think that's I think that's a leveling that's taking place. Yeah, a, I love that. Uh, reversing of fortune, a turn the tables kind of thing mm. as we get into Mary's song uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, one last thing is that final verse where it says all humanity will see God's salvation. Mm. And I just want to stress all. Yeah. Uh, that's important because it, it takes us back to God's original intention that Israel would be the light to the Gentiles, uh, that all people would come to know God through uh, Israel, uh, through God's chosen people. And so what's happening here is a pick, uh, kind of a pointing to that. Um, it's a picture of all people. Uh, meeting Jesus, all people meeting the Messiah, all people being welcomed to be a part of God's family. And um, that would have probably upset a lot of people. Uh, and that would have made a lot of people really happy. So that's good news for us Gentiles because, yeah, <laughs> good thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is a, a powerful message of what Jesus has come to do. And and again, no coincidence that all the, the whole world is basically represented in those first seven rulers, right? I think it's another picture that all will see. Not all will receive or enter into that new salvation. I think that's an important thing to note. Uh, but God's intention is for all to uh, see and be made available, the salvation of the new kingdom. Um, yeah. All right. Cool. One word? What? Yeah, why don't you read Philippians 1, 3 to 11? I'll read it. Here we go. I thank my God every time I remember you. This is Paul talking to the Philippian church, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you. Because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now, I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you, because you hold me in your heart, for all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. 
For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with compassion, with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with the knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. Mm. Good stuff. Yeah, it it seems like it's kind of totally different than what we just read, um, this message going out into the wilderness. Um, So let's connect the dots here a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, so so this is taking place in the life of the church, and Paul is in prison, and he is writing to a church that has financially supported him uh, during prison. Prison uh, is different today than it was then. Uh, In those days, you had to provide your own food, uh, and so you needed your own financial support to have food to eat. And so the Philippian church did that. So Paul's very grateful for the support that this church, he loves this church, his church loves him, and they share together in a partnership. Uh, It's the Greek word koinonia, which sometimes is translated fellowship, uh, but that's too churchy and often corresponds to food, which I like food, but I think the real heart <laughs> of uh, what's going on here is a partnership. There's a friendship, yeah. a partnership that's going on between Paul and the church, and they love each other, right? Paul's confident that this good work, and uh, again, that you know this this church has been doing good things, right? They help Paul. That God is uh, that the God who has started this good work in this church is going to complete it, uh, and that's good news. That uh, uh, just like the leveling that was taking place, this um, this God that we know is going to to work miraculously in the lives of His people. Yeah, I think it's a great picture, right? And we know this is kind of. Uh, moved forward in time from the Luke passage where we're, we're seeing uh, this coming of the good news uh, of Christ to the world uh, through John the Baptist, who is speaking of the one who is to come. Um, but then we kind of now are, are transported ourselves uh, into the future in the first century church, kind of after all of those events of Christ and going to the cross and raising again and going into heaven and the church explodes upon the world. Um, so here we have kind of a, I think it's a real physical example of that picture of leveling that we talked about, that all will come to see the salvation of the world. Well, the salvation to the world is expressed through this koinonia fellowship, right? This this expression of what it looks like to live out their best life uh, and full insight and full knowledge and, and full love displaying what it means um, until that day when Christ will come and they'll stand before him and pure and blameless. So it's still, it also has that kind of already not yet, um, theme that we have as well, that kind of roams through the Advent passages, uh, that kind of keep us looking towards a future that is coming and hasn't, hasn't been completed yet. Yeah. There's that phrase day of the Lord, day of Christ Jesus, uh, the day of Christ that is in this passage, which speaks to the second coming. And that's that interesting thing about Advent is that we are between two Advents. We are between the first Advent, the birth of Jesus, and the second Advent, the coming of Jesus, uh, known as the day of the Lord. And so Paul is praying for this church uh, that they would be 
filled to overflowing with love, love and more love, uh, and uh, rich with knowledge and all kinds of insights so they can know, discern, and do the right thing. Know what really matters. Know that Jesus is king. Know to live like Jesus. Uh, and so Paul is praying for them. And as God does his amazing work and completes it, they'll be found pure and blameless when Jesus comes back. Good stuff. Yeah. 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 All right. Anything yeah. else? All right. Malachi. Me. Ready? Malachi, yeah, the Italian prophet Malachi. I thought you were going to say the Italian stallion just for a moment. I'm like, no, that's the Italian. Let's, let's do the Italian <laughs> prophet. I just had Rocky visions all of a sudden. <laughs> Malachi, Malachi 3. I'm sorry. I'll quit being distracting now. That's all right. Uh, look, I'm sending a messenger who will clear the path before me. Suddenly, the Lord, whom you are seeking, will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you take delight is coming, says the Lord of heavenly forces. Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can withstand his appearance? He is like the refiner's fire or the cleaner's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites He will refi and refine them like gold and silver. They will belong to the Lord presenting a righteous offering. The offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in ancient days and in former years. Well, it sounds a little bit familiar. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me. We've heard that before, I think, in something we just read. Absolutely. Very familiar. And then we also have um, this idea of the coming king or the coming Lord, um, which is um, messaged really in both passages that we just read, one referencing the coming of the Messiah, um, uh, the first advent. But then in Philippians, we see the coming of the Messiah and a second coming. Yeah. And we also have that repeated theme of the, this refiner's fire and the, the fuller's soap, this purification process that was hinted at in the Luke passage, um, where we have this message of, of repentance and uh, forgiveness of making ourselves clean. Again, it's again this repeating reversal of the world, broken things being made whole, crooked ways being made straight, you know, mountains coming down, valleys brought up. It's this change and transformation that Christ. The gospel salvation brings about a transformation of all that it comes to comes into contact with, and the same is true in this passage of this purification process where lives are are changed and refined. That refining process with with precious metals is not uh, a, a real uh, nonviolent process. I mean, it's a it's a fiery furnace of burning off slag and taking away the brokenness of life and what's left, what remains in kind of that uh, that violent process is this pure, transformed thing. But that's a, a real work of getting rid of all of that slag and brokenness, you know. And I think that also brings our minds to the the challenge of purification. Um, the journey of allowing the this message of the gospel, this message of the coming King to change us is one of challenge as well uh, that we all will face. 
Yeah, and it, it reminds me of that Philippians passage we just read. It talks about uh, being found pure and blameless at the coming mm. of Jesus. There's that purity, the purifying, that God's love transforms us from the inside out. And that's that work that he is faithful to complete, that transformation that we see in Luke and Philippians now in Malachi is the work um, that Christ desires to do inside of us. Good stuff. We also have this picture. I think it's interesting to note too that there's this there there's this vessel of the coming good news, right? So the Messiah comes, the the salvation is coming into the world, but it's changing a people to be vessels of this new kingdom reality. You know, the Apostle Paul uh, talks to his uh, the Philippian uh, believers to let their love abound. Um, and, and all throughout the New Testament church, their, their love and becoming the, the people of God is the way that God is sharing the good news of the kingdom with the world. So I think it's an important thing and an exciting thing to remember, too, that this coming message of salvation and hope is about us being caught up in the purposes of God and becoming the very thing that God intends to do in the world, that we are invited to represent, just like Judah and Jerusalem will again be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old, that they will be the people that God intended for them to be all along, which was to show a, a beautiful and perfect picture of what it means to be kingdom people to the rest yeah. of the world that needs to see what it looks like for God's kingdom to be on earth as it is in heaven. Reminds me of a story I heard of the refiner's fire that a the refiner works uh, on refining the metals to the point that the refiner can see his image in the metal. Mm. Uh, and so that's when the impurities are gone, when there's a reflection, there's an image. And that kind of speaks to this idea of transformation is that we're being transformed uh, to be the image bearers of Christ, to yeah. reflect his image to the world. Uh, that that love that we are being transformed and purified with, uh, we're being filled with that love, and that love overflows to those around us. It's kind of a renewal of the original calling in Genesis, that we were created to be image bearers, uh, that Jesus is renewing that calling, that is renewing that image in us so that we can be his image bearers in the world. Yeah, so we can be the ones that bring the mountains down and the valleys up and make the crooked ways straight. I, I always love to kind of reconnect my heart with uh, those images from Scripture that the, all the things that God promises to do, He will do through us as the people of God. Yes. Uh, I think that's a powerful uh, and hopeful thing for sure. All right, Luke one sixty-eight to 79. You got it? Yep, here we go. This is the last one for today, our fourth reading. Uh, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. 
And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins, by the tender mercy of our God. The dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Mm, that's good. Mm. I love that. I, I, that last word rings out in my ears. Uh, I love peace and shalom. Uh, Pastor Paul always says grace and peace at the end of everything that he does. And uh, it connects my heart to what I think is a, a vivid picture of what God is kind of intending through all of these passages, this reversal of power, this change of the world, this change of people, this holiness and righteousness and purification is is all an echo of what is displayed through the shalom of God uh, to bring that which was broken back into wholeness. Uh, this, and I love how how uh, beautiful and complex shalom really is, um, and it, it goes beyond just waving white flags and peace uh, kind of feel good stuff. But it's really this knitting back together what was torn and broken. Uh, it's a really cool thing. He's going to yeah. guide us to peace. So the the perfect picture of peace or shalom is the Garden of Eden. And so that's God's intention is there would be shalom or peace the way things ought to be. No pain, no death, no tears. Uh, and in Christ, uh, he is bringing about shalom. There is a pathway of peace. There is a highway towards shalom. Uh, and he brings his messengers to prepare the way uh, as the king comes to do the work of repairing and restoring shalom. Uh, and so I, I find that uh, a beautiful psalm in the New Testament here, Zechariah's song, that talks about the coming of the Messiah, but also uh, the role of his son, John the Baptist. And I think that is important. It's very personal for Zechariah uh, that his son has a part to play in the story of God. But I think also uh, if if we could connect a little bit of these passages, uh, that we are the, the messenger uh, called by God to prepare the way uh, for the Lord to come into our city and into our neighborhoods and into our homes, that we are prophets in our own way. We are messengers. We have a role. We are the hands and the feet, the image bearers, um, and as much as Zachariah is talking about John, um, I believe he's also talking kind of indirectly to each one of us. Yeah, that we might be people who bring about shalom uh, to the places that we come into contact with. What a what a powerful and challenging thing. And I think a lot of times it's easier just to sit back and think, oh, uh, God talked to John the Baptist in the wilderness, the weird guy that ate locusts and smelled a little bit, you know, <laughs> that's who God calls to, to bring his message of uh, transformation and change and hope and challenge. Um, and that's something sometimes it's easier for us to sit back and say, it's someone else that God has called to be a voice in the wilderness. But man, when that sets home in our hearts that we are all, we are all called as Christ followers uh, to be messengers, to prepare the way for the coming of the king. Uh, that's challenging and uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable, Pastor Paul. <laughs> good, good, it should. <laughs> uh, 
because God has some purifying work to do in all of us. And as you said, that's not necessarily comfortable, is it? It's transforming us. It's purifying us. It's uh, uh, tearing the impurities away. And um, what's left is who we really are. And that's a beautiful thing. Uh, Not comfortable, but it's beautiful. And and I love that too. It connects again to the beginning when we talked about those seven leaders, right? The, The word of the Lord always throughout scripture, it seems to come to the people we least expect it to, you know? The, I mean, even in the in the nativity story, getting ahead of myself, but the who are the the first people who are given this great news of the coming king? Right, as the, the shepherds out with their flocks, as these you know the lowest of the low, the forgotten, who 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 are out in the wilderness, right? That that God appears to and speaks. So, uh, it, it's not who we always expected to be who would carry this the most tran- the the most beautiful and transformative. Uh, news that could ever be given has been entrusted to those that we least expect you and I, you know, who we think are least prepared to present to the world, a a picture of what the good news, but, but if you think about it, we are the most prepared, you know, the people who have the least to offer the the most messed up life are the ones I, I think who receive a message of transformation most readily. Right. Agreed. Because I don't, I don't have the tools to go and do it on my own. I need, but but God can enter in and use uh, brokenness for His goodness and wholeness. And I think that's a powerful message of hope for maybe you listening out there today, thinking you got nothing to offer. You know, you you got no skills, no abilities, n- nothing. You know, all you got is mess and brokenness. Well, hey, good news because you are just what uh, God was looking for when He wanted to send His message of hope into the world. Amen. Amen. A lot of good stuff in these four passages. There's the theme of love and the theme of peace. There's the theme of preparation, uh, the theme of of messaging or prophesying or witnessing. Um, and uh, there's a lot of good stuff in here. There's God is up to something new, it seems, in these passages. Um, there's the, the theme of purifying, um, transformation. Um, wilderness, um, the margins. There's a lot of good stuff in this passage, in these passages. Yeah. Well, this has been fun, kind of different, you know, to be journeying through the lectionary passages. And uh, we hope you've enjoyed our little jaunt into some different territory with the Bible says what, and walking through these lectionary passages. Hopefully, again, our intention is to give you some tools for your tool belt as you navigate the complexities of Scripture as we journey together to be better uh, readers of the Bible, better students of the Bible, and ultimately to connect with the Word, capital W, uh, Christ and Jesus, who appears in and through and uh, all around all of Scripture. He's the one we're looking for uh, behind the text. So grateful for the journey today, Pastor Paul. Absolutely. It's been good, man. Hey, next week I'm going out into the wilderness. What? Yeah. What are you talking about? Oh man, yeah. are you like going to go sit in the woods and make a fire and? Well, eat uh, actually, I'm and- <laughs> I'm going to go on a silent retreat to the oh, monastery yes. outside Louisville, uh, the Abbey of Gethsemane, Thomas Merton's monastery. So I'm going to be hanging out there for a week, 
just by myself, kind of quiet. So Yeah, good. Your own time of wilderness. That's right. Well, we will be praying for you, Pastor Paul, that the word of the Lord would come to you, uh, meet you there, and do something transformative in your life. And thankful for you, buddy, and uh, looking forward to hearing from you when you get back too. And so that means we uh, will not be posting content next week, like we've kind of gotten in the rhythm of doing, but we will be back the week after that and uh, right back here, engaging the great stuff of scripture with all of you. Uh, Thanks again so much for uh, checking in today with our podcast. The Bible says what again, subscribe, like link, share, love all those good, happy things. We are so grateful uh, to connect with more and more of you. We're, we're creeping up on 3000 plays there. Pastor Paul, that's, that's 3000, almost 3000 people. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So thanks for doing that. And we would love for you to help us expand our audience. We believe uh, that if we can help uh, more people, understand the complexity of scriptures. We can lead more people to the feet of Jesus, which really is what we're all about. So uh, share that thing. Uh, Tell people, tell your neighbors and your complete strangers at Kroger as you check out in the grocery line, just spread the word about the Bible says what, but we are grateful for your time and spending it with us here uh, as we move through this Advent season. Uh, Thanks so much. God bless you in your life. Hey, send us questions. Don't forget to send us questions. Please send us questions. We're throughout the new year going to start to re-engage with some of those weird uh, things of the Bible that make us go, hmm, huh, what, make us scratch our heads. Uh, Yeah. So if you have questions about any of the weird stuff in Scripture, or if you always just wondered why, uh, I don't know, Noah, I don't know. What Noah did on the ark, I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll talk about it. (laughs) Totally random. Yeah, did, did he, he play tic-tac-toe? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so send us your questions. We'd love to. You can uh, find a link in today's episode to both Pastor Paul and I's uh, email. We would love to hear from you. Uh, but until next time, I'm Pastor John uh, from Where Else Is What? And I am Pastor Paul. So it's hey, great to be with you, everybody. Grace and peace. The Bible says what? The Bible says what? The Bible says what? What does this Bible say? What? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says what?